Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles, please turn to Colossians chapter 4. Verse 17, I was a little out of pocket yesterday, had uh, some family in town and so good to see them, Matthew and Julia up from Austin. So I, I probably need a little help finding out what happened. We had a football game here, in t- uh, it was actually in Austin, I believe, but it turned out okay, right? Go Frogs, right? In case you don't know, in case you, some of you guys don't even care. But some of you guys really care, and TCU won over the University of Texas yesterday. I was uh, just, uh, I'm going to filter that story I'm just for the sake of time. It's funny, but I'm not, I'm going <laughs> to. So, uh, man, I love you guys. It's good to be together. All right, well, relationships, that's what we're talking about today is relationships, and um, if this, Mike, if this gets bad and I need that little fuzzy thing, whatever, um, okay, so relationships, when they're good, can I get a witness? Man, everything is awesome. When relationships are good and it's working the way it ought to work, it's just wonderful, and when they're bad, it can be very frustrating and cause anger and resentment, and wounds, and hard stuff when relationships aren't going well. And so today we're finishing the final section of Colossians. The final section of Colossians here. And this is kind of how the gospel gets worked out in our lives. How Jesus gets expressed in our lives. So often it really is with relationships. So if you would, I want to just ask you guys to stand up wherever you're at to honor the reading of God's word. And I'm going to read Colossians 4 verses 7 through the end of the chapter. 4 verses 7 through the end of the chapter. And I'm not going to read the the first parts there, but we'll mention it just as we go here. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may be you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierop- Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, 
The doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. And we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. All right. So, because we're in the parking lot and I know there's a lot of things happening here. I just want to be short and sweet today. I've got one main thing I'm going to say. I'm just going to break it down. One statement and break it down. But it, this one simple statement is that we start with Jesus Christ for right relationships in our lives and in the world. We start with Jesus for right relationships. That's it. We start with Jesus for right relationships. And so this first part here is we start with Jesus. And that's what we've been saying all through the letter to the Colossians. All through this letter, that's what we've been unpacking. That we share in an inheritance in the kingdom of light. We've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And we share now, brothers and sisters from all over the world, this one multi-ethnic family, are sharers in the inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, He's actually writing, some of these people are slaves. They would have been an inheritance, but now even he's subverting, even in that statement about Onesimus, who is a slave, he's, he's saying we are all participants in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And that's really good news. We've been forgiven of sins. Jesus Christ has reconciled the world to God. All things in heaven and on earth together in Jesus Christ because of what He's done for us on the cross. Everybody tracking? So he, this we start with Jesus because it's in Him that we, we get to understand what God's done for us. We start with Jesus to see that He, is, he lives in us. Christ in you is the hope of everything being made right. Of glory on earth. Of things on earth being as they should be. Of it being like it is in heaven. On the earth, Christ in you is the hope of glory. He's the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's got the fullness of God living in him. When we were dead, God made us alive in Christ Jesus. All of that's what Paul's been saying in Colossians 1, Colossians 2. The reality, the whole reality is in Jesus. Not religious stuff, not rule keeping. The reality is in Jesus. And so then in chapter three, what we talked about last week, he said, you died now. Your life is hidden with Christ and God and you died. You don't live to that old life, but you're alive in Jesus Christ. And so now there's a new way to live where you clothe yourselves because Christ is all in all. You clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, and gentleness and patience and humility and, and forgiveness. And over all of this stuff, you put on love. And so you put things off that need to go off. Lust and get rid of the stuff that needs to go. Get rid of that stuff. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, all of that. And you put on Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? 
Why you start with Jesus? Because that's going to help you understand that there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, barbarian, Scythian, all of that. It's not those kinds of distinctions anymore. We are one people with distinction in Christ. So there's not Texas Christians and Chinese Christians. We're Christians who are from Texas or from China, right? We're one family together in God. And that changes everything. We start with the reality of Jesus. And then what we hit last week was that we live out of that identity. That's what what I was just trying to say was we live out of who we are. Our identity starts taking shape in action. We are be and do. We are beers, abiders, we, we practice His presence, but we are doers. We live it out in our real lives. So identity in action. We live from the inside out. That's what He... We didn't read the passage, but that's He talks about the house. We live from the inside out in our personal lives, uh, in, our, in our houses, in our homes, in the way we pray together. And then in our relationships in the world. And that's what we're touching on today. I want to focus in on that a bit. That's the second part of that statement. We start with Jesus for right relationships in our lives and in the world. Okay, so on the surface, what I just read a minute ago, Paul talking about these greetings, different relationships. On the surface, it just looks like, hey, tell so-and-so hi. And so-and-so says hi, and so-and-so says hi, and so-and-so says hi. It just looks like greetings. But when you dig down into that, you realize you've got all these different kinds of folks there together. You've got Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, and the wounded and the healed all together. Isn't that interesting? So let's take the first one. You've got Jews and Gentiles together. Paul says... Uh, he says, uh, who was the first one there? Um, drawing a blank, sorry. Aristarchus is the first one. So he says, Aristarchus sends greetings. And then Mark sends greetings. And then Epaphras sends greetings. And he says, now, these guys are my fellow Jews. They're my co-workers for the kingdom of God. And that is just... An amazing thing when you think about it that that you've got these uh, these different guys, uh, Aristarchus and Mark. I, actually, I, I said uh, the, the wrong one there. It's actually um, Justice. Jesus called Justice is the other Jew there. But the thing is, the Jews were uh, the Jews were fourteen hundred years drawn out in distinction and separation by God to be a distinct people through whom He was going to bring His promise and blessing to the world. So they were a, a peculiar people. They were a set-apart people. They were uh, an ethnic race of people that saw themselves as distinct from all the other ethnic peoples of the world. And that's a big deal. For 1,400 years up at that point when he's writing Colossians, 1,400 years, the Jews were a distinct people. And so when you think about the different ethnic uh, identities and ethnic things that we deal with in our country, none of them are 1,400 years of distinction. 
or maybe 400 years, however old our country is, however old the different problems are, but this is 1,400 years of separation. Now even more with strict Jews even today. So 1,400 years of separation and yet in Christ, when you start with Jesus, He brings those relationships together. He brings the wall down where there was two tables or 92 tables. He makes one table together in Christ. This makes sense. So then you got slave and free. Slave and free is that that other wild thing that's going on there. And it's very subversive because you've got Onesimus. You've got Onesimus, who is a basically a runaway slave from this guy named Philemon. That's the background that's going on there. And while Onesimus is in Ephesus, where Paul's in in prison, while he's there, Paul leads him to the Lord and he becomes a son in him to the gospel and in the gospel. And so he's in the family of God now. And Paul is going to write a letter. He's going to set this up a little bit at the end of Colossians. But Tychicus and Onesimus are going to take the letter back to Colossae and they're going to read that letter in the church. And and Philemon, this guy, this the slave owner is going to hear this letter, but he's also then going to get another letter addressed to him specifically. And if you've read Philemon, you know the appeal that Paul makes. He says, I want you to welcome him. You owe me your very life. I want you to treat him as a family member. Not just as a slave, but one of us. He is a part of the family. And so then the greetings that Paul gives here become very subversive because he says, Tychicus is a slave of Christ. That's how he starts that off. Tychicus, our dear brother, excuse me, says Tychicus will tell you all the news. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant. That word there is also slave in Greek. Dulos. He's a servant. He's a slave. And different translations actually translate it slave. And then down there, Epaphras, who actually planted the church in Colossae, verse 12, who is one of you and a slave of Christ, sends you greetings. So twice Paul is saying about these different guys that are that are in the group, they're slaves of Christ. But about Onesimus, what does Paul say? About Onesimus, he doesn't call him a slave. He's verse nine. He's coming with Onesimus, a, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. He's in the family. He's a part of the family of God. And so you've got these incredible distinctions in that society at that time of slave and free. And yet Paul is saying everybody's in the family together. Everybody's to be. Now, he can't just come out and just blast slavery like that because it's like 60% of the Roman Empire were slaves. It was this huge part of the economy, and yet he is subverting that big time by saying this slave is actually our dear brother and a part of the family. Everybody tracking? So all that's going on. You start with Jesus, and you get to actually working to an outright relationships. Then the third piece there is... You've got the wounded and the healed all in the church together. So I love what Jim Reynolds preached on this passage about a year and a half ago here. And and uh, and he called this chapter the jailhouse church. Because you got these nine people all together 
just basically doing church, but you've got all this brokenness and woundedness. What do I mean by wounds? Well, you, he says Mark sends greetings too. Everybody remember Mark? Like he wrote the gospel that's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. But Mark deserted the apostolic team in Acts 13. And then in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas have this incredible argument about taking Mark with them on the journey. And Paul says, no way. We're not taking Mark because he abandoned us. And they have such a sharp disagreement that they part ways. I'm talking like the two greatest missionaries in the early church, right? Paul and Barnabas. They go around the world starting the church and everybody finds out the good news about Jesus through these two guys, but they have an argument and they split paths. And so here they are later, years later, Mark is serving Paul in prison, which is a beautiful picture of forgiveness and healing. And that certainly would have meant the possibility of healing between Paul and Barnabas as well. And so you've got the wounded and now the healed all together in the church. So, so this is for anybody that's ever felt the tension of eth ethnic tensions or looking down or looking at others like they're less than you or feeling like you're being looked at like you're less than them or anybody that's ever hurt you or wounded you in the church. It happens. We're all people. We're just mostly trying to do the best we can, you know, and that's just the way it is. And so there's this beautiful story. It's actually a story of right relationships. And the crazy thing is these nine guys out of this jailhouse church situation that's going on, three of them end up writing over half of the New Testament. Just think about that out of all of that fellowship, but pain and woundedness and coming together in oneness over half the New Testament. So Paul, he's writing part of the New Testament right there, he writes his letters, writes out of this prison experience. But then you've got the Dr. Luke. He writes Luke and Acts. That's a huge part of the New Testament. And then you've got Mark who goes on to write his gospel out of this experience with Paul. I mean, that it's just powerful. hundred and 60 out of the 250 chapters written by these guys right here out of this experience together. And so relationships express the reign of King Jesus. They are a huge point. Relationships point to the way God's future should be or either they don't. We're doing it one way or not in the way and we all do a mixture. We all do it as a mixture. Nobody does it perfectly. And it's always a mix. But the life of Jesus then is expressed in those things that we talked about being clothed in last week. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. And then the death of Jesus, and this is important, the death of Jesus and our death in Him is expressed in the things that are under judgment. The things that go to the cross. The things that will not be in that future. So unforgiveness will not be in that future. And so that means it's got to stop here. We express the cross of Jesus Christ when we put unforgiveness to death, when we put unkindness to death, when we put impatience and lack of love 
and all of those, a lack of compassion, all of those things. And when we put those things to death, that's what we want to see happen. So how does this land? I'm, I'm wrapping up. Can you believe it? Like, boom, boom. And you're like, well, he's been going a little long. No, I'm, I'm really wrapping up. So, but I want you to really pay attention on this part because this one message can change lives. How do we land this in real relationships? How do we put this on the ground? All, you know, the hundreds of people that are here, how do we put this on the ground in real relationships? So here's, here's what I want you to do. And, you know, for some of us, it's like I can think of somebody. It's not hard to think of somebody. I've got a struggle. I want you to think of a struggling relationship. And that could be, I know there's a spectrum of somebody said something and it hurt me to unimaginable things just that are really, really difficult. I, I get that. There is a spectrum of pain and wounds. But think about that struggling relationship. And if you've got one, then you don't have to, it, it's, it comes to mind real quick. It's not like you have to go, I mean, it comes up pretty quick, right? So if you have a struggling relationship, here's what I want you to do. Start with Jesus for right relationships. We start with Jesus, what he's done that nobody else could do. You see, all of humanity is made in his image. We are made in the image of God, in the image of the Son that the Father loves. We are made in the image of Jesus Christ. And God is reconciling all of the world, all things, in heaven and on earth, to Himself in Jesus Christ and through His blood shed on the cross. So here's what we do. We take that person and we hold them before our mind's eye, in our imagination, and we imagine how God loves them. And you think, I don't know if I can do that. It's how God loves them. It's how God actually really does love them. And it's not based on how we judge them. It's based on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And not just good people. Not just people that deserve it. And not even people that were alive to figure it out or even were thinking right. We were enemies in our minds. We were dead. And He makes us alive in Jesus Christ. This is good news. And it's good news for world healing. Because just as He reconciled us to Himself in Jesus Christ, that means He reconciles us to each other in Jesus Christ. Make sense? So, that's like, so, so imagine that person being loved by Jesus. Imagine that person bearing the image of God. Imagine that person being reconciled to God. And the good news is we don't have to look at their lives and judge them worthy of us being able to judge like God would judge. Jesus came and died for everybody. And so that empowers us to look at them with God's love. That is subversive. That may be hard for some to hear just in your personal relationships, but let's jump out. Let's go macro because there's so much that's happening macro right now. And we can talk about this uh, in terms of ethnic relations. We can talk about this in terms of politics. Let's just do politics for a second. Now, 
what happens is when we are able to judge another, we end up dehumanizing people when we judge them through our lens. And it's almost like, I don't know how you could be a Republican and be a Trump supporter, President Trump supporter, if you believe those things. How, how can you even do that? And what we need to do, or vice versa, how could you be a Democrat and believe the things that Democrats believe? And so we, we kind of make people like we think about people in terms of politics or a party instead of somebody that Jesus Christ died for and somebody that bears the image of Jesus Christ. I mean, Republicans and, and Democrats. That's not our prime. I'm not a Republican Christian and I'm not a Democrat Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. My first loyalty is to Jesus. Our first loyalty is to Jesus. And part of how we are signpost people is that we really internalize this truth that everybody that you'll ever see is somebody that Jesus Christ died for. And even if you consider them your enemy, well, then you've been given explicit instruction to love them. We're to love our enemies, right? I, I got a text the other day from somebody who was talking about a, a Christian haters. And I thought, man, I don't know if I've ever seen a more oxymoronic statement. I don't know if oxymoronic is a word, but, but a, a more, uh, I can't hear anybody. People are suggesting words, but I can't hear them. But uh, words that are opposed to each other. We are not haters. <laughs> we are lovers. That's how we're supposed to be known. That is the way we're going to be known is by our love for one another. So it's it's absolutely huge. I mean, I, I was since the debate, I was trying to imagine if President Trump could just was expressing that kind of love and that kind of vision for former Vice President Joe Biden. And if President uh, former Vice President Joe, Joe Biden could, was ex looking at President Trump and expressing that kind of love in his heart. That kind of seeing the image of God. And, and I, I was sharing this with somebody the other day and they said, Jamie, this is subversive. What you just said is challenging me. Absolutely. It's not the way we think. It's the way Jesus thinks. We wouldn't have come up with this plan, right? I mean, who would come up? God's going to take on flesh and die for everyone so that we can be in right relationship with him. We didn't come up with that. But when we look at people like that, it changes things. I'm telling you, it changes things. Kim came home on Thursday and uh, she said, you know, I was I was fitting somebody. I was she's an audiologist and she was putting headphones on somebody. And and she said, I put the headphones on and I in my heart, I said, Father, this woman has unsurpassable value to you. And as soon as she received God's love for this woman, immediately she had a word in her heart for the woman which was she's experiencing shame and regret right now. Just like if we'll love people, we'll we'll get to see what God sees in their heart and what he has for them. I, I, 20 years ago, a book called came out. It was anonymously published at first called The, the Heart Reader. Anybody ever heard of that book? Basically, this guy has a has a dream. And in the dream, Jesus says the words where it says, be opened to your ears, a path for thrust or something. I forget what the word is exactly. And and uh, he wakes up 
And everybody, he goes through a little season of a few weeks where everybody he looks at, he knows the deepest need of their heart. Like he can look right and just prophetically, he's understanding the deepest need of their heart. And I'm like, that's what we need. We need to be able to see people as other human being, image bearing, life of Jesus, potential rising up in all people. Every tribe, language, nation, tongue, political party, different country, whatever it is, geopolitical stuff, all of that, gender, all of that, that we are the ones that Jesus loved and cares for and died for. All of us together. And this is the hope of the world. Christ in you is the hope of glory of all things being made right. And, you know, it's, and it's not, I'll, I'll finish with this. It's not just struggling relationships. It's also our healthy ones. You know, sometimes our healthy relationships get neglected because we're not taking care of business with them. And so for some of us, it might be that next step is, Lord, how do you want me to express compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, love, forgiveness, doing all things together in the name of the Lord Jesus with thanksgiving in my, maybe there's some thanksgiving I need to express with my healthy relationships. Yeah? Well, Lord, help us to do this. Would you stand up where you're at? Aaron, come on up. We start with Jesus for healthy relationships in our lives and in the world. We start with Jesus for right relationships right here in our lives and in the world. And so, Lord, just right now, just... Yeah, Lord, I pray that just uh, for those who would say that there's a struggling relationship, Lord, just a place where judgment's been happening and not forgiveness, not the love of the cross. Lord, would you help us? Would you wake us up to, again, what you've done for us, that we would forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. As the Lord has forgiven you, forgive. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you just meet us? Yeah. Right here. Middle of the parking lot. October 4th. Let this be a, a game changer day for the way we view that struggling relationship. Lord, for the way we view, Lord, even this season that we're walking through right now, even people that we politically disagree with, Lord, we're just saying the politics of Jesus, Trump, all of the, they take priority over, over all other politics. And these values of compassion, humility, and patience, and gentleness, and forgiveness, and peace, and thanksgiving, and everything, and word or deed, in the name of Jesus, it takes priority that Christ in us is the hope of glory. So Lord, meet us. Change us. Lord, again, just the word 
of the Lord in, in Colossians. It's so life-changing. Lord, would you wake us up to see it? In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, let's just pause. Just that, that personal thing in your life could be someone that the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to start seeing them in this way. Just be the heart reader that sees the love I have for them, that sees the pain that they're going through, that sees the experience they're living through and have lived through, that, that creates so much of the tension that they express or whatever it is. That we wouldn't just look on people as the way the world sees them. But that the love of Christ would compel us to see people in a different way. So Lord, meet us. Let's take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're not leaving us where we were. Thank you, Lord, that you bring the word to us that challenges us, that subverts our thinking, that they could never change. They could never, they, they could never be somebody that you could love. And yet you've already expressed that love for them. Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We thank you, Lord, that you're the King and the Lord, that you're the Redeemer, that you're the Reconciler, that you're the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank you that you've made us alive when we were dead. We thank you that you came when our minds were just hostile to you. And you're making things right, even in the midst of, though we are simultaneously righteous and sinners, you're transforming us. Thanks be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May His face shine on you. May you be the most radical, Jesus-loving people on planet Earth. And treasure Him always. Go in peace. Amen. Love y'all.